0: Listeners, this is now number three out of four crossover episodes with the Enter the Bible podcast. But this time, hosts Katie Langston and Katherine Schifferdecker are not talking with Dad, but me! We take up the lively and rather comical topic of why God heals the kinds of illnesses that the body has the potential to heal anyway, like infections or cancers, but not ones that the body can't heal in any case, the prime example being an amputated limb that never grows back. Long-time listeners of Queen of the Sciences will recognize some themes that Dad and I discussed in our episodes on illness and healing— And also, Miracles, with some help from C.S. Lewis. But if you haven't heard those two yet, by all means, go back and have a listen. And most definitely, subscribe to Enter the Bible, or visit their website at enterthebible.com slash podcast. And now, here's the episode.
1: Welcome to the Enter the Bible podcast, where you can get answers or at least reflections on everything you wanted to know about the Bible but were afraid to ask. I'm Katherine Schifferdecker.
2: And I am Katie Langston. And today on the podcast, we are joined by a very special guest and a very good friend of both of ours, um, the Reverend Doctor, Sarah Hinlicky wilson We were actually, we, we were debating pre-podcast whether you could say the Reverend Doctor, and I... And we think only Episcopalians are allowed to say that. So Reverend Dr. Sarah <laughs> Wilson. The most she,
1: honorable.
2: The <laughs> most, <laughs> most very reverend. The most reverend. <laughs> uh, and she's an associate pastor um, uh, at Tokyo Lutheran Church in, yes, Tokyo, the one in Japan. Um, and is also <laughs> the co-host of uh, the Queen of the Sciences podcast, which is a theological a podcast with her and her dad paul hinlicky who we have had on the podcast recently uh and it's an awesome it's an awesome podcast so she, you should totally look it up and listen to it so anyway
0: yes, Cindy. Totally. hi sarah welcome hi katie hi catherine thanks for having thanks, me back girl. this is my second appearance on enter yeah? the bible it's uh it's
2: what is it customer. you and alan Paget and Cameron Howard, I think, are our only other repeaters so far. So Wow. I is... am
0: clearly the reverend, then. I think that, you, that's what you catapults are. me into the <laughs> articular <is>. category. <laughs> for
1: sure. Thank absolutely. you for joining us again, Sarah. We really enjoyed that. Enjoyed talking
0: with you. We yeah, do. me too. And we've got a good one today. We do. We've got a great
2: one. So this is a question that came in on our website. And you, dear listener and or viewer on the YouTubes, if you would like to ask a question, you may do so by going to Bible.org and clicking on the little button uh, at the top that says, ask a question, and there's a form you could fill it out. And this is one of the form fill outs that we received. And so here we are answering it. I love this question. Sarah, why does God only heal conditions that the body has the capability to heal naturally, such as cancer, But never heals conditions which the body does not have the capability to heal naturally, such as a loss of limb. In other words, why doesn't God regrow limbs? And I think I have heard this as a kind of gotcha question from (laughs) atheists who are debating believers. So. and You're also right. it is. We should a just question.
0: pack it in and go home. It's yeah. over. Yeah. done. Sorry, oh, yeah, Christianity. Yeah, yeah.
2: They win. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
0: let's just well, say even, first of even all
1: that just even just fingers, right? We we don't have to ask for Right. <laughs> I just
2: if you cut off your finger, although my my husband once he was very mean to a girl in elementary school and she slammed the door, like a big heavy elementary school door, uh, in his face, and his finger got caught in it and it cut the top of his finger off and he was able to get it stitched back on so mm. who's to say who's to well, say well i think that was
0: more like a matter of cosmic justice against his meanness it was uh, he deserved than it a healing miracle per se Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: he deserved
2: it he did yeah. <laughs> he will admit it he says yeah uh, okay. i i uh, should have uh, i should have all right well episode. we should
0: say first of all uh That starfish and geckos can regrow their limbs naturally, and that happens to them, and they don't need a miracle for it to happen. So we'll at least grant geckos and starfish that. And then a theological point of order question before we proceed, which is that anytime we ask, uh, why doesn't God question we do not know the answer. <laughs> Just by definition, you can't ever answer that question, at least conclusively. So we are going to be exploring ways of understanding the ideas behind this question and possible solutions. But there is no such thing as a conclusive answer to a why doesn't God question.
1: Okay, fair. That's that's okay. a good caveat, right? God is, God is other. Uh, we are not God. We don't know yeah. all the mysteries of yeah. God. And perhaps this will be... On the list of questions we ask at the Pearly gates.
0: <laughs> I figure that's why heaven will last for eternity because we'll have so many. But why didn't you questions? It'll take him all of eternity to answer
2: them. <laughs> I
1: think that's fair. <laughs> Honestly, I have never thought of this question, so I I would be really interested in knowing what the uh, you know what the background of this question is. Like, did this person yeah. lose a limb? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, I think actually the fact that we have never thought of it before is itself, it tells us that we already have an internal operational logic of how healing miracles work. So I think the way to get into this is to look at the miracles Jesus did actually perform. And I'm just going to like focus this on Jesus' miracles rather than like any possible miracle that God could cause to happen in the world, you know, like, you know because god is god he could like make the earth spin backwards like he does at the end of the original superman movie to like have marians or no that's not merit, that's the same actress though like have her car come out of the san, san andreas fault line but god evidently oh, yeah. doesn't do that so anyway right. so we're not talking about the whole category of possible miracles we're talking about the miracles that jesus did to kind of give us a template for what kind of healings god does like to dabble in okay So I was just kind of like, I went through the gospels just to have a look. And here are the basic miracles we have reported. So Jesus casts out unclean spirits and demons. We could consider that a healing, but so we'll just set that one aside, but that is a possibility. Then he, so he heals people with diseases, not any more specified than that. He cleanses a leper we should note that leprosy at that time was not what we mean by leprosy. It's a persistent skin condition, but it's not the one that makes like your nose fall off. That maybe didn't even exist in biblical times. Whoa,
2: what? We what? have.
0: Really? Yeah, actually what what we, so leprosy, a <laughs> little diversion here. But If you're <laughs> really into Leviticus, like I am, you like get into stuff like leprosy. <laughs> so no, I did actually, just read so...
2: Leviticus and was c- confused. Yeah. So about the yeah, well, whole that's, leprosy that's... thing.
0: Cause it came up yeah, a lot. So, I was
2: like, man, they must've had a lot of leprosy back in the day, but no.
0: Right. But they didn't. So what we, <laughs> we now like modern science calls it Hansen's disease. And that's the one that like is the slow rot and makes your digits and your facial extremities fall off and uh, you know, puts people on colonies. Uh, from yeah. what I've read, it may not have even existed in the middle East until several hundred years after Christ's time. But, um, but it's derived from a Greek word that's similar to leprosy, leper. And it appears to mean something like a persistent skin condition. But so still, it could be very gross and unpleasant, but um, not not what we call leprosy today. And I think in Leviticus, it's functioning more like a metonymy for integrity, bodily and spiritual integrity. But you can invite me back to talk about Leviticus sometime, which okay, I would love to yeah, do. Good, but good. we won't get too, too waylaid by that at the moment. <laughs> So then we have the woman with the issue of blood, um, you know. So it's a, some kind of chronic bleeding condition. We have cases of muteness, deafness, and blindness, including blindness from birth, which would suggest the optic nerves never worked at all, rather than someone having like an injury that took the blindness away. Seizures, maybe something like epilepsy, that's kind of overlaps with the demonic possession cases, so it's hard to tell. Um, jesus brings back to life jairus's daughter the son of the widow of nain and lazarus though uh this um is worth noting those are all fairly recent deaths he's not like saying let's see what happens if we bring elijah back to life or you know (laughs) right king david so it's not like zombie reanimation it's people Hmm. recently dead and um it's quite important actually in biblical imagination that Jesus' body did not see corruption. So the idea that like, like the worms didn't take over his corpse. <laughs> so he was definitely dead, you know, beyond any natural means of revival, but had not passed into the state of rot. Okay. Um, so hold that one in, in reserve. I think that's sort of relevant here. Um, then there's cases of paralysis. So I think we're getting a little closer there. And then finally, a withered hand is restored. Mm -hmm. So this is a pretty wide range of conditions of various types, various durations. Um, But then I thought the one thing that Jesus could have done that didn't, that he didn't do was after John the Baptist's head was lopped off by Herod's soldiers, Jesus did not go and reattach it. John's head, once removed from his neck, stayed off. And I mean, maybe Jesus didn't have access immediately to the body, though we know that John's disciples took at least his corpse. We don't know if he got the head, too, because, you know, little Salome ran off to show mommy the cool thing that she'd done. So maybe they didn't even have a chance to get the head and put it back on the neck. But um, evidently, that was not a miracle Jesus was invested in.
2: He wasn't into it. He did. He did put the ear back on.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that one. That's Yeah, 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 Right. True. Yep. Okay, so that's sort of, I think that's more like, you know, the fingertip rather than like it the is entire more like the amputated yes. leg.
2: Right. Yes. I, yes. I would agree with yes. that. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, and, but, uh, So this is a lot of stuff that Jesus does do, but I think it also indicates that there are are, is a limited scope of healing within the possibilities of the natural world. That some healings are clearly eschatological, and healing the vast majority of the human race from the condition known as death is an eschatological solution. It's not one for now. Okay, so define
1: eschatological. So exactly. Oh
0: yes. eschatological means the end of time after the normal conditions that obtain in our universe pass away jesus comes again in glory god is all in all we have very little data on that mostly promise a few glimpses so there's very much not so much that we can derive from it except that all of uh all of christian um faith is connected to hope in the promise of what will be. We're not looking at a complete restoration of affairs right now. And so I think the the not grown back amputated limb is one of those signs that we are not li- yet living in a a time of full restoration. Like when Augustine goes into these wild speculations about the resurrection body, he considers things like, you know, well damaged bodies be restored and he thinks yes they will on the other hand he says you will not get all your fingernails and hair back once removed from your body they will stay back otherwise you would have impossible fingernails in the life to come because you (laughs) know an entire lifetime's worth of fingernails that would not be part of true human flourishing in the life to come
2: that's true augustine good (laughs) thinking there buddy
1: (laughs) never never uh read that
2: so but 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 the resurrected body will like in the resurrection you do get your limb back but not not all your fingernails
0: that's what augustine believed yes yes okay but what he's working from there is clearly like a sense of the the um uh, integration and wholeness and restoration of the human body as it is meant to be and so you know clearly part of the the tragedy of current existence is that plenty of people are born with fully functional bodies that do everything that they're supposed to do until a pretty ripe old age. But there are people who are born with bodies where some system is not working correctly. You know, we have infants who die in the womb or right after death, you know, or people who have persistent, you know, disabilities throughout life that are damaging to the wholeness that they, Mm -hmm. they would ideally have. And of course they're fully human. And there's all the things that we do to, you know, um, Honor that and integrate them into life as much as possible. I don't mean to make it sound like it's us granting them a favor, but you can imagine right. in Jesus' time, it was much more a case of granting favors to people who were somehow seriously damaged in their natural development.
1: So, yeah, So that that idea of the resurrection body, and of course, Paul talks a lot about it in First uh, Corinthians fifteen, right? Is oh yeah, it, 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 and he, you know, it's a mystery, right? Like what will the resurrection body? look like but i like um well and and paul says it's like when you plant a seed uh and then a tree grows or a plant grows right that 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 it's it's comes from the seed right like these bodies are the seed and then the resurrection body comes out of that and what i take from that is there's a continuity right between now Hmm. and what comes after right that Mm -hmm. that we don't all just become one, you know, homogenous mass of resurrected whatever bodies, right? We we don't all <laughs> become one with the universe, but that right. there's a, there's, there's a, a particularity there. There's in a particularity ourself, yeah, in, about,
2: in, in our beings.
1: Right. Right. So yeah. that, so that we will be us in some kind of resurrected transformed bodies. Yeah. So, but, but I like, I like also, what you say, Sarah, but, But there's there's a kind of wholeness about those bodies too.
0: Right. And also in 1 Corinthians 15, there's also some kind of discontinuity because an oak does not look like an acorn. So I don't know what exactly that means or how far Paul wants to push that. But I think at least what it can reflect back to us about our time is that the difference between a completely whole, normally functioning body and one that is somehow damaged or disabled is actually not that great compared to what we will both be in the life to come. So there's more closeness among all human sufferers of the normal degradations, corruptions of, uh, you know, physical corruption of bodily processes than there is um, difference. You know, we're not uh, able-bodied people are not more like a resurrection body in that respect. There is some radical transformation that takes place that we can't imagine. But that still begs the question of why does God not regrow limbs right now when that would clearly be desirable for a lot of people? So, again, without being able to answer conclusively, I have two ideas that are um, borrowed from C.S. Lewis's book, Miracles, which I uh, reread last year. My dad and I actually did an episode about miracles and we uh, used this book as a a launching. That's why I
2: I thought of you for this episode, actually, because I listened to that one and I was like, ooh, Sarah and all my thoughts about this?
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I think this is is one thing that I like best about this book is that um, Lewis emphasizes that again, this um, that God the Creator is the same as God the Redeemer, and so what's being redeemed is creation. And so I think a lot of people, especially in the modern era, come into miracles thinking of them primarily as violations of the law of nature. And that's what is conclusive about them. But the problem is that then that makes the Redeemer somehow at odds with the Creator, (laughs) that God is like fighting against himself or thinks that how, how creation is set up is fundamentally flawed. And so it has to be altered or cheated somehow. And this takes us into so many theological and philosophical difficulties we cannot get into right now. But Lewis has a very good quote that I'm going to read to you here, which I think really points out the idea of a miracle being a restoration of creation rather than a violation of creation. Uh, So here's what he says. If events ever come from beyond nature altogether, she, meaning nature, will no more be... Uh, incommoded by them. Be sure she, nature, will rush to the point where she is invaded as the defensive forces rush to a cut in our finger and then hasten to accommodate the newcomer. The moment it enters the divine act, her realm, nature's realm, it obeys all her laws. So here's the point. Miraculous wine will intoxicate. Miraculous conception will lead to pregnancy. Inspired books will suffer all the ordinary processes of textual corruption. Miraculous bread will be digested. The divine art of miracle is not an art of suspending the pattern to which events conform, but of feeding new events into that pattern. (laughs) So I think what that says to us then is that uh, the healings that Jesus does are unsticking stuck creation and getting it back to doing what it is supposed to do normally, but it doesn't actually violate the rules of nature or creation the way we think of it. So for instance, when we talk about um, healing the body, let's say just from a medical perspective, when you take medicine, the medicine doesn't heal you, the medicine helps your body heal itself like any healing Mm. that takes place is always the body's own work of healing. And so I think we see something analogous going on in Jesus healing is he is entering something new, a divine unsticking process so that the healing can take place and the creation can be restored to how it is meant to be. But obviously in a case like a limb being sawed off, and you know, whether it's you know, after a landmine accident or being in war or a cancer or whatever takes it off, there is no natural human or no natural creative process in human bodies that regrows limbs ever. Whereas bodies can heal infections, bodies do conquer cancer. Um, I think maybe in the cases of like bringing back, um, uh, even something like an ear, like a, someone who's deaf. You know, maybe that would we would think of that in terms of like healing a, a, a exploded eardrum or something like that or reattaching optic nerves. But it's not like you can start seeing out of your elbow like that is not the miracle that Jesus ever causes to happen. Right. Right. That's, yeah. that's so really
1: helpful. that's good. Like that. Yeah. So yeah, so and it works within the pattern that God has already set in creation in terms of. How bodies work, and doesn't go against, yeah, doesn't go against natural law in that in that sense.
0: Yeah, and I think also this is again using kind of uh, contemporary medical terminology. But if you look at Jesus' miracles, he he deals with chronic conditions, not acute conditions. So interestingly, there's no case Hmm. of Jesus healing a broken bone. So okay, he doesn't regrow a lost limb, but he also doesn't set a broken bone. I mean, that's kind of interesting but that particular acute crisis is not dealt with. Or um, we don't have any cases of appendicitis where someone's, you know, appendix is literally exploding and Jesus like rushes in there and does divine surgery or anything like that. Uh, yeah. When he's dealing with people, it's someone who has been blind since birth or for a really long time or a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years or uh, you know what leprosy was then it was still a very long term persistent skin condition or seizures as like a long term problem so somehow it also seems that Jesus mercy and attention is really on people who have long term suffering and um, you know even in the case of the woman with the issue of blood it says that she spent all her money on doctors trying to get help so she actually went to the doctors first which is a sensible thing to do you know people out there start with a doctor right Right. but um but but that's where jesus intervention comes is these chronic what we would now call chronic conditions
1: Though i I think that's true for the most part so though i would i think about like peter's mother-in-law who falls ill you know with a fever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and jesus heals so and and you know the diseases that that jesus heals they're as you said at the beginning they're not really specified so I don't know. Maybe he did set a bone. Who knows? But, but I, I take your <laughs> point. I, I did. I, I take your your point that that Jesus has compassion, uh, particularly on those who have suffered chronically, who, who have suffered for a long time, with a particular body bodily ailment. Uh, and those are yeah. those are the ones that the text really focuses on those those healings.
0: Yeah. It seems maybe that, you know, that this fits well with a savior, right? That he's interested in lost causes. If nature and uh, practitioners who look at nature and work on it can handle the problem, there's no reason for God to get involved because he set up the system of creation. It's not bad in itself. It's the lost causes when, you know, to call on Romans 8, you know, the creation groaning and labor pains and things not working as intended in creation. That's when God says, okay, at this point, I may step in, though, again, only may, it doesn't, obviously does not always happen.
1: I think so I often think, the question that people have, or at least my students in my classes have is, well, why not me, right? Yeah, <laughs> or why not, that, no, why no, not yes. my loved one, right? Because, yeah. we, because you do hear about miracles today, too, or at least what seem to be miraculous healings that, you know, doctors can't explain, uh, though often those healings come about through medical, you know, means that... And I I see that as God's work as well, right? God's work through medical professionals. But but those, you know, the miracles that still happen. Well, why not for me or why not for my loved one? Um, Right. I don't
0: don't think actually there's any reasonable objection to miracles. The reasonable objection is to not miracles. Yeah, that's the problem.
2: Right. That is that is the problem. Right. So do you do you have. So why so so
0: why not miracles? then? Right. So back to the starting point, which is (laughs) there is no conclusive answer to why doesn't God? I have no idea. I I have seen things that I don't know how to account for other than miracle. And I have seen things that ought to have gotten a miracle and didn't. I I cannot explain the why or wherefore of either of them. I think the only the the faithful thing to do is when there seems to be a miracle. And I I don't think it needs to be competitive between natural means and divine means. Again, because if (laughs) if the Redeemer is the creator, there is no competition. But anyway, if there's something we can't explain, it looks like a miracle. Give thanks for it. And if there should have been a miracle and there wasn't, then complain to God. There's lots of language in the Bible encouraging and inviting you to tell God that he is failing on the job. God can totally handle it. I don't, but I don't know what else you can do other than complain to God and, um, carry on and await an eschatological healing that is not going to happen in this life. I think,
1: I think, Oh, sorry, Katie, go ahead. I was going to
2: say, we did have an episode with, um, with Alan Padgett, uh, on, on the kind of question of like, do miracles happen and why do they happen or why don't they happen? Like more broadly. And he had some interesting thoughts about, you know, how it's sort of like a foretaste of the, the eschatological end or whatever i can't remember exactly what he said sorry Ellen,
1: don't listen but then to me. you're like, yeah, why no, can't I,
0: was... I have the foretaste yeah <laughs> right no i, right. I
1: that, that's where i was gonna go too i think yeah. i think Ellen had a really nice answer and and yeah it has to do with that you know one of the words for what we would call miracles in uh in the old testament uh is uh is a sign yeah so, oh, that's uh, right. And, that's what. And it was, so, yeah. if miracles are signs, then um, there's what are they signs of? Well, they're the sign signs of the coming kingdom of God, uh, the eschatological reign of God. And so, why you know they're, they're not meant to heal everyone. Like uh, our dear departed colleague Terry Fretheim here at Luther Seminary uh, wrote a uh, well wrote on this topic too, and he said, you know, Jesus heals. A blind man, but he doesn't heal all blind men, right? In his day right, or right. women, he calms the storm on the Sea of Galilee, but he doesn't eliminate all storms, right? That even in Jesus' time, even his miracles are meant to be signs and and um, yeah, signs and inbreakings of the kingdom of God to give us hope, um, not to not to heal everything right now. It's not it's not the messianic age yet, right? But there right, are right. but there are signs of its inbreaking. And that's what, uh, as you said, Sarah, when when it happens, we give thanks. And when it doesn't, we can complain that we get, we can be mad about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that that's a wonderful insight, Catherine. And that bridges me over into the other point, because what you're saying there is basically that Jesus miracles are signs of him. They're, you know, mm. We are the happy recipients when uh, a sign of Christ's love and presence and power touches us directly. But the purpose of the miracles is not to be a slot machine where you get lucky sometimes. The purpose of a miracle is to testify to to the power and glory and grace of Jesus Christ. And so, the other point from C.S. Lewis that I wanted to bring here, which is again another one of those things I never thought about before, is he points out how many miracles or signs do not ever happen in the Bible. So, for instance, in the Old Testament, we have the delightful story of Balaam's ass speaking to him. I love you know, that. Normally, one. donkeys do not talk in human That's language true. that we can understand. That's true. So, okay, that is a funny thing. But Lewis says, okay, Balaam's ass may talk in the Bible, but nobody in the Bible is turned into an ass or gets the head of an ass, which happens in Ovid's <laughs> Metamorphoses, and was, which is what Shakespeare picked up on for A Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> so all of, all of this book of Ovid's is about weird, one thing turns into something else. And actually we have no cases of something turning entirely into something else. That is not a biblical huh. miracle. The Bible has no interest in it. Or for another example, when huh. the Holy Spirit causes Mary to be with child, it does not happen like Zeus turning into a swan so he can get at Leda or into golden rain so he can get at Danai. He, that is not the means by which the Lord God brings about a miraculous pregnancy. And, you know, it's obvious to us, right? Like we never confuse biblical miracles with these wacky stories of the Greek and Roman gods and all the other mythologies of the world. But it's worth reflecting, like, why does it ever occur to us to ask that question? And I think it is because when you are, you know, formed by biblical literature, you without realizing it, you you have an, an operating hypothesis or a sense of the kind of things God is interested in doing. And what he just isn't. So you would never look for, like, if you get really mad at your ex-boyfriend, you don't think, you know, if God really loved me, he'd turn this ass's head into an ass's head. Because then it would show the world <laughs> what he's really like.
2: You know? You know, like, I, you have might a ask few, God- I have a few ex-boyfriends that, in <laughs> retrospect,
0: I'm kind of pissed about. Why didn't <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you should have wished for for them to lose a leg in a car accident and then yeah, it would I never should. grow back. That was oh, what you yes should have been wishing for all along. Oh, no, no, <laughs> I know, no, i know, I know, I know you can Just trying to bring it full circle here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Liz, oh, so this though,
2: point yeah.
1: is that, uh, is that uh, God acts in certain ways uh, and not others in scripture. And God is not the kind of capricious... Um, yeah well, uh, well god, god created the, the, god created yeah, and called Romans it good
2: and... right god created and called it good and so god you know it, god's work is toward the furtherance of the creation that mm-hmm. he made and isn't about like mixing those kinds of things up because it was good
0: Right. So the mir- yeah. miracles are not the complete set of all violations of nature that could take place. Yeah. And so, what we see, especially in Jesus' miracles, is signs of who he is that restore stuck creation to the creator's original intention because Jesus is the creator and he is the son of the creator and sends the spirit of creation onto creation all over again in the Pentecost. So that's why there's this kind of integrity, but very limited set of miracles that you see in the Bible that don't extend to all possible weird things that could happen.
1: But signs of the signs of the, whatever you want to call it, the messianic age, the, the, the next life, the a time when God's kingdom when God's reign and rule will be uh, will be here yeah that's really helpful Sarah thank you for that i, I have not read that particular book of cs Lewis's miracles but uh, I'll put it on my list that sounds like uh, very insightful very insightful and uh, you uh, you added Augustine and others as well thank you for that uh, we knew that you would be the person to to answer this question so thank you <laughs>
0: Really very it. inconclusively, as there's still no <laughs> answer, really. But that's the best I got for you.
1: <laughs> and, and that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a complicated question. So so thank you, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. And thank you, listener and viewer, for listening to this episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. You can get high-quality courses and commentaries, resources, videos, more podcasts, and reflections at enterthebible.org. And if you Uh, have a question of your own, uh, please uh, uh, send it to us at enterthebible.org. We can't uh, answer all the questions we get, but we try to answer uh, as many as we can. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.